0: Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.
1: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: Trust. I'm Jimmy Trashkin cream cheese covered in and also known as Jim. Alongside Hollywood, Heartbreak Kid, Heath Pearson, Charlie Chuckwagon, Morning Footy Davies. And like always, we have a great show for you today, but this one could be a little bit more emotional than usual because the head coach of Canada, John Herdman, who likes to run his mouth at times, has come out and said that the, his team wanted to play the U.S. men's national team in this tournament, that they want to beat us in the U.S., something they haven't done in 100 years. And that they have the extra motivation to get that win. A David and Goliath in Cincinnati. Like, what David and Goliath? What the hell is he talking about? And that oh fires me up. It makes gosh. me want to play, actually. You want a piece of us? I want to give him a piece of us. I want to <laughs> lace him up and actually play. But then I'm reminded, everybody, that uh, John Herdman is actually in BJ Callahan's back pocket after BJ led the U.S. men's national team to a dominating 2-0 win in the Nations League final against Canada. And then I start to relax a little bit. Anyway, how are you guys doing?
2: <laughs> you pumped me up with that intro, by Woo! the way. Let's go. Uh, yeah, I'm good. Well-rested, Fourth of July was amazing. And I don't know, you missed our last pod, me and Heath. We chopped it up. Yeah. So you got a lot You got a lot to cover on this one. Jimmy.
3: Hey, I, I will say this, though. Hey, John Herman's got a little uh, urine cleanse in him, huh? Like, take go into the media constantly of just, like, lighting fires. Playing little games. The problem is, is that they had this whole like Kings of CONCACAF thing happening for a little bit and now they're not. Um, and <laughs> on top of that, he could just hedge like he did already and be like, you know, Guadalu- Guadalupe didn't even get out of the group. And he was like, you know, Guadalupe, people people look at them on paper and go yeah, exactly. like, you know, they're nothing. And then, <laughs> you know, he's, he's able to hedge them being can't like the worst thing they can be is Canada again. And he's playing the cards as if they're Canada again, you know, which is like if we win, we beat the U.S. David versus Goliath. We lose. Yeah, but it was the U.S., yeah, you know, like right. what are we supposed to do? As opposed to before when they were the Kings and and Milan Boran was wearing his sweatpants on the field and he was taunting crowds <laughs> and they were talking about how everybody wrote them off. Like that was a candidate I was I was all about that kind they were confident.
2: No, Heath, this is John Herdman's ego right now.
3: Oh, yeah,
2: it is deflated a little flat, <laughs> a little flat, a little flat. flat, a little flat. Uh, and yeah, he for me, he's just screaming, Me, 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 me. Ah, ah, hey, hey, hey. Did he not learn his lesson in the World Cup when Croatia I, absolutely smacked I, him I up? Agree. Just keep your mouth shut and focus on your own team. I, stop, I don't stop the David and Goliath thing. You, you, you won World Cup qualifying, you were in first place, and because of your tactics and your ego. You got absolutely smacked and spanked in the World Cup. And then in the Nations League, you got dominated again. So now in this tournament, in the Gold Cup, get your team to focus on playing to their strengths. You don't have Jonathan David. You don't have Alfonso Davies or Kyle Laren or Tejon McKinnon. We get it. You're not as strong, but you the still have some quality. You still have some quality. So go out there and, and, Play a, a smart tactical game because you got out coached by BJ Callahan in Nations League. So let's see what you bring to the table in this game. Hey,
3: okay, Jimmy, we're real, gonna have real, a preview. Oh, no, go real, ahead, go real, ahead. Real go quick ahead. on 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 the on the Herdman uh, stuff. What I worry about with him, and I'm sure he's a good coach, right? Because he did he, he he did something spectacular with that Canada team going into the last World Cup. Not at the World okay. Cup, but to what he did to get him there was was like has to be respected. You know? Sensational, yeah but I feel like there is that turning point where now you got a bunch of people that are looking at Canada differently, right? Players and teams are prepping for them differently. The media is looking at them differently. The expectations are different. Right. And I feel like this is a real crucial moment for him to evolve and grow as a coach and I worry that the screams and the the proud like beating of the chest through qualifying that was working isn't working now and now this yelling from the top of the mountain feels a little bit of an insecurity versus like a confidence, right? Of like creating these narratives versus before Things were falling in their favor. They were a good team and and they were smacking people in the face and qualifying. This could come to backfire him in the end. And, and by the way, Canada as a federation in a lot of turmoil. So like sometimes it just might be better to let you motivate your players behind closed doors. Get him to do it. Having said that, if they beat the U.S. Man, he's going to be on top of the world.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that that he's trying to set that up as we discussed on this podcast a few times with various coaches in our careers. Sometimes they use the media to motivate players, motivate their team overall. And to, I think the guy, let me say it like this. I think he's wearing a lot of different hats. He's trying to raise money. He's being critical of the Canadian Federation that they're not doing enough, that they've dropped the ball in so many different ways. There's so much unprofessionalism happening at that level. And it's trickling down to his team and how they can perform. He's obviously without some of his star players in this one. And, and, and now it is, to your guys' point, it is a testament to his coaching ability. Can he get the same out of this group that he can get from his more talented group when they're when they're executing? We saw in the Nations League final that his most talented group didn't have a lot of push either. I mean, I thought we were in complete control of that Nations League final for a good portion of it. Yeah, they had a couple moments where you could see that they were threatening. But overall, I never felt like we were we weren't going to win that game. Mm -hmm. And that felt uh, very un Canada like under Herdman in this recent iteration of this team, especially when he had everybody available. And now you come into this one where I think he's got to play the David and Goliath card because they are, yeah, they're short, they're shorthanded. They don't have their star players. Uh, They would usually rely on those players in this one. Like Jamaica's bringing all their guys. This is what Canada used to do they bring everybody to the Gold Cup, they've got to win some type of competition. And Jamaica's got those vibes in this particular tournament. So I think Herdman's wearing a lot of different hats. Is he playing it right? I guess it's yet to be seen. But right, but,
2: but Jimmy, before no, the Nations sounds League. Sounds like game, Jimmy's
3: trying to get invited to Thanksgiving dinner at Herdman's house. You know?
0: I'm not. I, I'm, I'm not. Listen, is. I was fired up at the start. And then you guys no, talked for like 10
3: minutes and I lost my momentum.
2: No, I I, I think you, you really want a Canada job. But um, <laughs> no, before the World Cup, uh, before the Nations League final, he on the sideline told Nico Cantor they had a great World Cup and to me that that's this is during the game is he rewriting history there it's it's not uh some sort of like mind game with this team because they're to say they had a great hey they were good against belgium
3: to be fair they were good against belgium
2: but that's delusional to say you had a great world cup
3: yeah i mean there was a peaking moment in their first game and it showed that i think from that sense is that was that belief came in of like oh man we are a national team quality i mean a world cup quality national team and then it all fell apart from there but like yeah, you're, that is that is a bit delusional. But, you know, it, it, you can always look at that as like, you know, but at least we were in a World Cup, so that's pretty good um, compared to not being in a World Cup. But I think that's a little bit of an extreme thought, Chuck. Well said. Okay, listen,
0: I don't want to be on Canada's staff. Can I go back to that? I don't want to be on Canada's staff. I'm just uh, you to want to – be You
3: want to be back.
0: the staff, Jimmy. There's <laughs> a big difference. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I believe yeah. you, Jimmy. Oh, come yeah. on. come out of here. You guys are trying to trigger me here. Listen, what I think is interesting with this particular team that he's brought – he went 3-5-2 in the first game against Guadalupe. Uh, they went with a 3-5-2, 3-4-3 against Guatemala. That was a 0-0 draw. Both games were draws. And then against Cuba, 4-2 win in the last one. They went with a 4-4-2. Obviously, when you have some options with Richie Larea on the on the right side, you got a Sorio I mean, they can play multiple different spots. And so I think they're going to morph in a couple different ways. But to get into the preview of this game, I think it's interesting that... Uh, Miller and, and Cavillani started against Cuba up top. They had uh junior Hoylette, the number 10 who'd be the captain 58, 59 caps for the team. Ton of experience be kind of floating underneath. Do you guys, are you worried about those, those three up top at all? Cause no. cause no, I, I don't know. It's just tough. It, the group stages are so hard to analyze in the gold cup because of the drop, you,
2: you don't need to analyze anything. It, this, this is a Canada side that lacks a threat the, the best player on the pitch for them in terms of the attack is Hoylet, junior Hoylet. He he's the creator. We saw in, in these group stages, there's those moments where they rely on him to come up with that special moment, whether it's the the, the set piece, whether it's a cross or a dribbling one V one moment, that's, that's their, their playmaker. And then Richie Larea is probably the, the other most dynamic player that you're right back. And he's been that guy for Toronto FC. Other than that, Cavallini ha- hasn't been a, a, a real problem in, in years. So, yeah, right. Right. The, and the midfield is, is I would argue toothless. So <laughs> yeah,
0: my guy is just, <laughs> Jesus. He's not having you're, it. You're, today, not, you're you know? definitely not running for Canada staff. That's yeah.
2: No, no, I'm not. I, and, I, and I'm being real. I'm being real. This, <laughs> the, the, the U S men's national team should toothless. win this game.
0: Yeah, they should win this game, but obviously you got to go out there and perform. And with this David Goliath narrative that's being built by Herdman, I think that Canada does play better when they have their backs against the wall, just like we did for for a long time until we got comfortable with being the favorites. And I think we're there now and I'm a lot more comfortable with that role and, and mentality and mindset. But to Herdman's point, they haven't won in U.S. soil in over 100 years. That's pretty wild. So they, they've got this kind of, why not us at this particular moment type of theme? Now let's talk about the U S do you think any starting lineup changes from, from Trinidad into this one, or do you kind of continue to roll with what's been working? But, Cause um, he has Ferreira scoring a bunch of goals, Jimmy, okay. before we do right. that, whoa, um, whoa. we,
2: we want to know what your, <laughs> your starting 11 is because Heath and I, we already dive dove into this head first. And we, we went, we were critical position by position. Who's your starting 11 for this game? Who do you think deserves to be starting?
0: So I think that Matt Turner in goal will be the one. I like the back four that we've seen, or at least in this last game. I know Miazko was in for Miles Robinson, but I like uh, Brian Reynolds at right back. Uh, Miles Robinson and and Neil, Jalen Neal at the center back position and uh, Dewan Jones at the left back spot. I think uh, BJ was very complimentary of Dewan Jones in particular in his matchup against Trinidad. So I don't expect that to change. I like the midfield of Bucio Sands, and Mihalovich. I think that there's a nice balance there, and they all bring us something a little bit different. And I think Sands, in particular, has grown into that spot. I don't want to see a double pivot. I think BJ made a mistake in that first game against Jamaica, and it showed. And the team just didn't flow as well, so I like that single pivot. And it obviously, all right, now out. we yeah now that we was because that
3: was because Greg picked that first roster, and then BJ <laughs> BJ was like, yeah, "I'm not letting you do that again, Greg. Keith, this my team." I'm yeah, going you're trying to sabotage pivot. me. Yeah, I'm going with my team. We're going with the single. I'm gonna have two uh, swing players and the double eights, and 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 we're gonna work that way forward. You know.
0: No, uh, I, I, now, now go with the front three because this three, is where it gets interesting. I know it gets a little sticky. I, I uh, Brandon Vasquez has obviously been, been impactful off the bench or with whatever role has been given to him and he's done well. What's interesting is I probably would leave Zendejas off. That's that's my number one. Just leave him off for now. I think he's pressing. I think he's trying too hard
3: to maybe be something he's not. He's not letting the game just come Jimmy, to him. Jimmy, on, on Zendaya's. while we're on it because I think we'll move on from him pretty quickly. But there was a tweet to us um Online, that was uh, uh, basically was like, What would, what's the one piece of advice you would give Zenday Hus right now within the national team? If you were a teammate or a leader or a veteran, I guess from either of you, what, what's the one piece you would give him? Because obviously, you know, a player that was pretty he- held in high regard playing at a big club um, just hasn't been doing it at a very, in a very mediocre at best group stage uh, matchups. I want to hear Charlie's.
2: Yeah. Charlie. I, I, I see my, my, my younger self in, in him and in the mentality part, because I think he's trying to do too much and trying to impress because he knows he's on the verge of, of being on the AA team as a substitute versus you are on the outskirts as a B B player and you don't want to be classified as a, as a B player. So you're trying, he's trying everything in his power to like stand out, whether it's with his touches, like doing extra touches, dribbling, like the fancy service, just play simple. My, my, I, I think what I would say to him is doing less is more for you. Less touches be, be ruthless in the attacking yeah. third, be a little bit more aggressive, but less touches in the buildup. Just, Movement and then mm-hmm. work on your defensive responsibility. Sometimes that is a great way to get into the game and build confidence and not only that earn respect from your teammates because sometimes you, you may feel like you haven't done enough yet to earn the respect of, of the, the your your fellow players, teammates, and that could be sometimes or you an think issue.
3: you've done too much, or you think right. you've done too much to be with a B team, right? Like there is a little bit of that ego that 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 creeps into that as well. And I'm not saying that's that's his case, right. but we've all been in in the the a of our national team careers and we've also been in the integrated sort of mixed squads and there is a lot of different egos at play when you get into that dynamic of the group and that's one thing i'll give the credit to this this group seeming to be on the same page and motivated together jimmy what's your uh, what's your take what would what yeah
0: would you say? i i would uh echo the sentiments of chuck with just get it play it and move just just and when it's time if you're in a 1v1 situation the corner of the box then yes, take that person one-on-one. If you lose it, whatever. But that's that's we want you to have that confidence in those moments to do that. But if, it, if you look up and it's a one versus two, you got to play it to somebody else that's in a better situation than you are. And you got to be able to recognize that situation as quickly as possible. I think he's like taking that extra touch. And then when you take that extra touch, all of your options that were on, on maybe the one or, or on, on your two touch, when you take that third, everything's off. Like mm-hmm. it's not the same. All the, the passing lanes have closed. Uh, the timing of the runs are off, and what anytime he takes that extra touch, everything kind of shuts down. And you guys know, as teammates, when a person is in that rut, one of your teammates is in that rut, you're like, yo, play it quicker, man. You know, like it's just you just so I would just tell him to simplify. Get oh, in it, it. move and, and put your and, and then I like yeah. that that ad there, Chuck, that the defensive side of the ball is really important. If if you go in, I remember playing with Taylor Twellman one time who never liked to play defense. And when he actually went out there and put a tackle in, you're like, all right, man, this guy's bought in today. Like, there's still that nonverbal body language that this person's still going to do the little things that matter to help the whole team, and it's not just about himself.
3: Yeah, I, sorry for asking all the questions, guys. I'd been hosting lately and I just want Jimmy to know he's on the hot seat. <laughs> that, it's just like on the field, you know, you go on vacation, Jimmy, you let somebody step in and hey, you know, Heath, I ask, I love it. I ask uh, great I love questions. It. I just want people to know that Jimmy's under pressure, you know, from that starting position as well. Yeah, so, you know Heath,
2: I like that. I like that initiative. Yeah,
3: that's there it. We you go. Go. That's Heath,
2: right. Here we go. Zenday, Zenday has can learn a little bit from yeah. you, you know what I'm yeah. saying? It just
3: came out naturally I've been I've been in such more. a rhythm of just, you know, you know, guiding the ship. Sorry, Jimmy, I don't mean to step on your
0: toes. Well, it's all good it's all good so so when it comes to the number nine or I guess maybe the other winger so I guess I'd say like this Kate Cal comes in for Zendejas I, I didn't mind Christian Roldan on the other side I know it's gonna ruffle maybe some feathers for the anti-MLSers out there but I do think that there's some value for Roldan who does more often than not keep it simple open to have a conversation there and I actually think the conversation would be who do you think is actually the better spark plug coming off the bench Could it be Zendejas in this one? I think Roldan is
2: the better player coming off the bench in terms of like a defensive scenario, closing out the game. Sure, no problem. problem. You know know what you're getting from Roldan? From a a work rate standpoint, a consistent work rate and and clogging up holes and, and tough tackles and adding another player into midfield or into wide areas, great. But I think from an attacking standpoint, to start the game, especially when you want to be on the front foot and you value your... Your creative sure. players more than Canada. I would I would start with Zendejas and then give Cowl the start.
0: Okay, so you go with so a little more, no a problem. little bit more
2: proactive. Yeah,
0: no problem. I I open to all that. I just rolled on started the last game for some com- consistency. I could see Bj rolling out something uh, similar. The number nine spot you got to go Ferrera. I mean, he got six goals in his last two games. He's the hot hand. I've uh, been <laughs> dynamic in the box, hungry in the box. What's interesting is I I'm a big Brandon Vasquez fan, so you could potentially. I think it throw off the apple card a little bit, but you could put Ferreira out wide, which actually asking him to tuck in a little bit and see what that looks like. But I wouldn't uh, upset that right now. With regard to Ferreira, I've been thinking about this a lot. And obviously there's a lot of hate towards the guy and and uh, a lot of snark with the Pirates of the Caribbean, um, you know, stuff going around, which is fun. Hopefully he's embracing that. In a,
2: in you a created that fight. one, didn't you? I don't, I, did we? Did we call him the Pirate of the Caribbean? No, no, I'm saying the graphic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no,
2: I did one with...
0: Um, Big Lebowski, that nobody f's with the Jesus, but I, I, what's interesting is you said the guy, the guy plays, right, and and if he's going to play lesser opponents like he has, my expectation is that he should get hat tricks, and the guy's doing it, and he can only play the what's in front of him, and now we're getting into games that are that uh, win or go home, and and people want to see him do X, Y, and Z, and and they always it's very Chris Wondolowski esque where where he had one half against the Netherlands, hadn't played. Had he even played in the World Cup up until starting against the Netherlands? I mean, that's just no. thrown him into the fire right away. And and I, I blame Greg Berhalter for that more than I blame Jesus Ferreira. And so so for him to get kind of, sad, I don't know, brought into that in, in, in a performance, yes, of course he could have played better. The whole team could have played better in that particular game. And uh, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just trying to be thoughtful about, and giving context to this, so Ferreras for me has got to start, and uh, and as I mentioned before, Vasquez,
2: who in the hell thinks he shouldn't start? No, I'm just,
0: saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, but but oh. there probably are uh, some yeah. uh, some people in the community that think otherwise. But but you know there they, are people they um, go
3: they go every time Vasquez gets his chance he scores type of thing and I'm just like yeah I get it if it's not working the second half you can drop Ferreira into that midfield as like a withdrawn striker and and put Vasquez in there as as a different dynamic because look if Canada come back and they they sit back the entire game and we're not able to have it and what I liked about Busio and uh, Mihailovic is that their willingness to make those penetrating runs off of the shoulder of the striker so whether that's Vasquez or it's Ferreira I think it'll be Ferreira obviously in the first half. The ability to keep those defenders honest and play off the shoulder of them, there was a good rhythm there that I was worried about. Oh yeah, if a team sits back, we're going to be underneath the whole time. But if they have those more advanced positions and make good, well-timed runs, it will free up our ability to have little combination plays. So I, I'm, I yeah, obviously I'm, I'm going with Ferrer as the starter in that one. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, you have to. You
0: couldn't sit him at this point, given how. Are you
3: saying, are you saying Zendejas and and Cowell, or or who were you saying on your wings? Yeah,
2: yeah, Zendejas and Cowell. Okay. And, yeah. and 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 I would try Zendejas on the left wing this time, because it seemed like he's more comfortable coming inside, playing on the left than he is going down the right with his stronger right foot and and trying to cut into his weaker left foot because he doesn't have the pace to beat you. So he, naturally he's got to cut inside, and he's he's much better or much more equipped to cut inside on his stronger right peg than he is cutting 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 in on his left leg. So I I think you you run it that way in Cape Cow he can play right or left. He's he's, yeah. Yeah. No problem. He's got, he's making the diagonal run in behind anyways. And this would be a good match to see what he, what he can give as a starter, because it seems like he's progressing. And so now when a game gets tough, they, they neutralize you by not giving you that space in behind. How does he impact the game? This would be a good measuring stick for him.
0: All right. So before we take our first break, what do we say in scoreline? predictions for this one and and to your point chuck i do think this is going to be a different type of challenge for our players especially the attacking ones because canada probably be the most organized team we'll have faced so far in this tournament but uh heath i'll come to you what do you got i'm I'm gonna say
3: uh 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 to (laughs) to 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 nil dosis arrow uh for the u.s as a prediction and by the way i if, if they roll out in the way that chuck said where it's it's um is Cowell on the right? I will take that. Otherwise, I'm, I'm putting uh, Morris and Zendejas as my wingers. I mean, wow. not Morris. Sorry. Sorry. Um, I rolled on and, and Dayhouse as my wingers. Got it. Interesting. Okay. Chuck, what
0: about you? Scoreline? 2-0.
2: Same Two as you.
0: So back-to-back 2-0 wins against Canada. It's Canada one. is... Hey,
2: Canada's backline's been leaking goals. Leaking. So leaking
0: it's not goals. strong.
2: It is not strong right now.
0: I'm with you guys. 2-0. All right, we're going to take... Our first break of In Soccer with Trust. When we come back, we'll talk about the other quarterfinal matchups in the Gold Cup Preview, and we got some transfer news for some of our player pools, so don't go anywhere.
1: Robert Half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology. Marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit RobertHalf.com today.
3: Hey, I'm Brett
1: Podolsky
0: Welcome back, everybody, to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Charlie Davies and Heath Pierce, And we are going to talk about the other games in the quarterfinals for the Gold Cup, starting with Panama versus Qatar. And this one's important because whoever wins this takes on the winner of the U.S. and Canada. And then on the other side of the bracket, we got Mexico taking on Costa Rica and Guatemala taking on Jamaica. That might be my favorite. Outside of U.S. Canada, Guatemala, Jamaica could be an absolute banger of a game. And we can get into that. In a second, but let's start with Panama, Qatar. Heath, I'll come to you, Mister uh, Mister Host, trying to take my spot. Qatar, obviously a big, shocking win, 1-0 over Mexico. Mexico had plenty of chances in that game, just couldn't hit the frame or or really uh, make the goalkeeper sweat in too many ways. Panama, you know, hanging around doing their thing. I actually like Qatar to get through. We faced them in the last Gold Cup in twenty twenty one. Get a little rematch that in that and if both teams that we want to win win assuming you think Qatar is going to go through. Let's talk uh, a little bit about that game though. First, how are you feeling about uh, the chances of both of those teams?
3: Yeah, I, I I like, uh, Qatar when they scored first, obviously didn't have much against Mexico, but just that willingness and that discipline to fight for their lives (laughs) for as long as they did. Mexico obviously had some clear chances to win that game. Uh, didn't put them away. Santi Jimenez had some incredible looks on goal and they just stood on their heads and were able to grind that out. They also, in terms of, uh, the the craftsmanship of gamesmanship that qatar had in terms of the amount of yellow cards slowing the game down scrapping fighting i think to see the way that they came onto the field with this belief that like oh yeah we got out of this thing and and now we've earned our way into the knockout rounds i i think that they 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 beat panama on this one not because of necessarily how dangerous they are going forward i think they're a different team than we saw in the gold cup last time i think That team had a lot more control of games. They liked to have possession. They stretched teams out. They had a real rhythm of the way that they played, obviously, with a lot of them playing under Xavi um, in in Qatar at the time um, and and the system of play that they had. But they're just a team that's embraced a fight here. And so I I see them winning this one um, against Panama. Chuck? Okay,
0: now, Chuck, with regard to Panama, I just want to give some context here. They were in the Nations League. As well, they lost to Canada in the semifinals 2-0, and then lost to Mexico in the third place game 1-0. And I wonder how much of that, having an extra week or or two weeks of training has helped them prepare for this. Uh, They beat Costa Rica in the first game 2-1. They beat Martinique in the game two of the group stages 2-1, and they just drew with El Salvador 2-2. They're scoring a bunch of goals, but giving up a bunch of goals too. Is that going to be enough to overtake Qatar?
2: I I think this is going to be a good match. I could see it going into extra time, but I'm going to go with Panama. I think Panama win this game.
0: Okay. That was nice and easy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's talk a little Mexico versus Costa Rica. Uh, right now, FMF, the Federation for Mexico condemn fan violence after a fan was stabbed at Levi's stadium. Oh my gosh. That was insane. By the way, um,
3: the chance we're back to and all oh Gosh, man.
0: Yeah. There's a lot going on. I feel like anytime there's a game involving the Mexican national team, There's always a statement from FMF condemning fan violence, but yet it continues. Uh, The suspect was arrested, but does this raise security concerns for you guys? I mean, this was like fan on fan violence because this was two Mexican fans. It wasn't like they were attacking the opposite team's fans. It was themselves.
3: Oh, but there was brawls up on the the mezzanine level. And like, you know, I mean, yeah, it's... um... The, the, the saddest part of all those things is when you look and they they kind of pan out of any of these like homemade uh, videos that people have that they're, they're posting is the amount of like children in and around the area that violence yeah, right. is happening. And not to say that should change anything because it's just got no place in the game. But at a certain point, whether it's the chance, whether it's the violence, whether it's, you know, the fights that happen in and around the stadiums, something's got to got to change uh i don't know how but like it's 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 certainly one that would be a deterrent for me to think about um and, and we've all been in stadiums where you feel that energy shift in areas where you're like okay something's something doesn't feel right around here i'm, I'm gonna move out of here or or if you're you're chuck you're gonna you know throw your cup of water um <laughs> to, to, to 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 you know stir the pot more but yeah it's uh it's it's really sad
0: so so First and foremost, how do you get a knife into the stadium? I guess that that's one. And then second, is it just simply, Chuck, adding more security guards in those particular sections of the stadium? Or, I mean, I don't even know how you do that. I mean, there still has to be some kind of form of understanding that you're going to watch a game uh, without fear of being stabbed or being having stuff thrown at you or whatever it may be. Chuck?
2: I didn't even get that because it's like going in and out.
0: Okay, sorry about that. So how do you how do you curb this violence then? How, I mean, what do you add security wise?
2: I mean, obviously there's got to be a, a more thorough check to come into the stadium. But That's number one. And two, given that they continue with the the homophobic sl, uh, slurs and chants, ban ban them. Is that is that any, is that, any, yeah. any like full on? support section they that should be banned they should be banned
0: yeah i'm kind of curious to see what what happens
2: with regard to how are we still talking about this now?
0: no no i agree with you on that i I, what's interesting is do the fans hold themselves accountable like if you're a mexican national team fan do they police each other I, I, i don't know if that's what's needed but i feel like there has to be some sort of accountability within the group for it to change and to have meaningful change It's gotta come with from within, right? I mean, that's a big philosophical question in general. But
3: I mean, what ends uh, up happening is just like there's been fan violence wherever was like they stopped serving uh you know, you you can't have uh alcohol in the sections. They sell them only during like pre-halftime and after the game. You can't bring, you know, that sort of stuff is like the first step that a lot of countries took at the club and international level to to deter just the temptations. They also talked about like in, in Europe around things and Chuck uh, experienced this, I'm sure in, in, in Sweden and and France is like, they start changing kickoff times and match days at the club level that would prevent, like started playing games on Sundays because Saturday was like Saturday night games was where a lot of violence was where people were all, you know, wound up and liquored up and, and ready to fight knowing that it was a a night out on night on the town. They started playing day games on other days of the week and things like that, that, obviously that comes into tv and contracts and and all those types of things but i think there have been at least steps taken in the past at, at the club level and even the international level in other countries that that can deter that but i don't know how you completely uh, eliminate violent people you know um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no no
0: no it's it's interesting and uh i'm curious to see how it continues to get handled because We're in the year 2023, and you'd feel like this, which should have been eradicated at this point. Well, speaking about the game on the field, Mexico versus Costa Rica. Mexico had already won their group prior to kicking off against uh, Qatar, as we mentioned. Not the best performance from them, but they had more than enough chances. And and we have the Ticos, which is the craziest scoreline I've seen in Gold Cup history. Costa Rica beat Martinique six to four. They were last in their group, headed into the last game. They needed to beat Martinique and have El El Salvador have a tie. uh, or, or a loss in their match against Panama and ended 2-2. And that's why uh, they find themselves second in their group. So that is pretty crazy. This Tico's team, in their own type of transition stuff, we talked about them before, a lot of aging players there that they're still trying to get away from and it, that have that young talent emerge. I don't know if that young talent has really filled those gaps, and that's why they continue to go with the older players. But this Mexico team under interim manager Jaime Lozano has scored some goals and they look a little bit more adventurous. They look a little bit more, I don't know, in some ways having a lot more fun or looking like they are. I know the Qatar result aside, they still had enough chances to get a result in that one. I feel like Mexico are going to win this one and they're going to take on Guatemala, Jamaica. I could see Mexico, Jamaica, and then U S Panama, U S Qatar and the semis. What are we thinking about this one? Chuck, I'll come to you first.
2: Mexico, Jamaica
0: or Mexico, Costa Rica.
2: Uh, I, costa rica just doesn't have enough going going forward i think joel rely too heavily on joel campbell and they don't have a striker i i think you know they cecil borges is still their their big midfielder who they rely on incredible experience but he, he doesn't have the legs anymore to rely on him to to be the engine in the midfield uh that that's not realistic to to win a, a gold cup, so I I I think Mexico wins, and then Jamaica, Mexico, in that semi final. I'm going to go with Jamaica getting to the final. I think Jamaica okay. just is coming into their own, and with that dynamic front three, it's trouble.
0: But, but this Guatemala team, though, Chuck, it, it was inspiring seeing their performance to to get into the spot to win the group. Uh, they were down 2-1 to to Guadalupe, and they found their way back in to win 3-2. Uh, Rubio Rubin scored two goals in that one. They are so well-supported. It was very cool to see them like have that type of success and, and for them to get a crack at Jamaica. It almost feels unfair they have to play Jamaica in this in this quarterfinals before maybe facing them in a semi instead. But let's pivot to that then, Heath. Guatemala, Jamaica. I assume you have Mexico going through against Costa Rica. They seem, to to, to Chuck's points, Costa Rica not as strong. But they do have moments where they can't score, so could they have that two games in a row? I'm not so sure. But Guatemala, Jamaica, who do you like in that one? Because that's probably my favorite quarterfinal.
3: Yeah, I think uh, I, I'm with Chuck. Uh, I see Jamaica. I think the fight that we saw from Guatemala is 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 hopefully a sign of of them um, being able to do something in the next couple of years in in World Cup qualifying. You know that that was a, a team that I remember during during my national team area as as one that we played. Uh, difficult games against compared to as the emergence of Honduras Costa Rica and Panama from Central America sort of buried them towards the bottom um within all of that of, of reaching final rounds of 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 um of World Cup qualifying including El Salvador uh so I I think that's more of like a, a hopefully a sign of what what's to come for them but uh Jamaica just too strong um you know and Chuck's got Jamaica going through to the final and 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 so do I I just Jamaica seem to be organized when they press. Like there is an actual plan. You can can watch them and see a plan, which I I think was lacking in World Cup qualifying. They just got scattered very, very quickly. Whereas now it looks like there's a buy-in from the leaders, from the experience, from the Premier League players, and also just a, a game plan that, is going to bring out the best in their best players and also eliminate just what we've seen in CONCACAF in the past, which is like, if you can weather them long enough, eventually they open up and you get your chances and you can beat them. They look pretty disciplined. So, um, I like Jamaica.
0: Okay. Let's be master prognosticators. We have eight teams left here as we get into the knockout rounds of the gold cup. Are we talking us Jamaica in the final? I'm seeing some comments there in the YouTubes. Saying yes. that uh, Jamaica's gonna play us, or we're gonna play Jamaica twice in this competition. You got uh, that's what that's I. That's a quick yes from
3: you, Chuck. Yeah, I think Jamaica are favorites in this tournament right now, still based on like how they've played, how they've handled the group stages, the quality of players that they have, where those players are on the field in terms of like their offense against our best uh, back four. I still they they they're stronger. They're stronger than 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 we are. I like the. I love Jaylen Neal getting the minutes, but like you know that's a that's a strong team. Whereas it's not like it's. You know, Canada in the past had a, you know, a kind of a not a star defense, but they had a strong foundational defense that allowed their attacking players to to to, to be better. Yeah, um, I'm going both those teams to the final. Jamaica, Mexico though, would be a cracking semi-final. So I'd be it'd be f- fun to see that.
0: I think uh, when the U.S. gets past Canada, we could argue probably the the easier of the two sides, and then hopefully U.S. Jamaica in the final. That would be pretty cool. Even though I'm sure the the people that uh, want to make the money at CONCACAF would prefer U.S.-Mexico in the final. We'll have to wait and see. You know what, Producer Alex? We're going to get into our second and last break of In Soccer We Trust here because we have a lot of big transfer talk that we want to get into. There's some big news surrounding a lot of our players in the player pool. So we're going to get that break early, and then we can get into that. So don't go anywhere.
1: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
0: Yes. Welcome back to It's Talking Witch West. I'm Jimmy alongside Chuck and Heath. <laughs> it feels weird to your say. Your deputy co-host. Our one our deputy co-host. And uh, we're obviously excited that you're here with us, joining us either live on the YouTubes or whatever podcast platform of choice that you like to listen on. We appreciate you guys. Now, we got some transfer news we got to get into. We're going to start with Weston McKinney. And Chuck, I'm going to come to you on this because he's in talks with Borussia Dortmund. Now, there has been some news that I saw with regard to him that it's being reported by some that he's in advanced talks with Dortmund, and then the build over in Germany is saying that there's no way that Borussia Dortmund would sign a player that played for Dortmund's biggest rival, Schalke, 91 times. Like, they just won't do it. So that maybe there's a little bit more smoke to it. Not to say that that Dortmund doesn't need some midfield presence and the fact that Wesson can play multiple positions in midfield and and made various roles and obviously has Bundesliga experience as well as European experience and all that. And there's rumors too, that that Weston potentially wants to go back to the premier league. What are you hearing? What are your thoughts? And do you think Bruce, Dortmund would be a great fit?
2: Well, one thing is wanting to go to the premier league versus a team wanting you and it fitting it working. You're not being deemed surplus to requirements. If, if you go to a club that has enough midfielders, you're not going to get playing time. You only go to a club that makes sense. A Brighton, if a Brighton was interested in you because they've, lo- they've lost, they've uh, lost, McAllister. They may lose Caicedo. There's going to be some uh, needs for bodies in the midfield. That would make sense. You'd say, let's go. Uh, a Newcastle, even they just signed Central Tonali. You you could argue that he could maybe get some get in get some minutes alongside Tonali. I don't think Newcastle has the strongest midfield, central midfield, so that. Could be a, another option if, if that were if that were the case, but it's you're
0: not talking to a Newcastle fan here. I
2: think you're West, telling me West, Weston couldn't get into the, the midfield there.
0: I mean, we have Bruno Guimaraes, we have Joe Linton, and now we have Sandra Tonali. I think our well, Linton's that central.
2: Forward,
0: he well, he's been dropped off, and that's where he kind of plays like a hybrid eight, but but he's been excellent in that position. But I hear what you're saying. I just don't know if he would go and start. I think he'd have to fight to get in there, but that's a different conversation with Newcastle.
2: That, uh, a hundred percent. But I, I'm just saying, if that was were the case, like he's better than Sean Longstaff. So it, it's, yes, if yes. and Sean Longstaff gets playing time. So my he point does. is, that's fair. If if you're West McKinney, you you have to go to a place where you're gonna play and compete. And Dortmund's still in Champions League, and I feel like the way he plays, his style, that's a perfect fit for Dortmund. They just lost uh, Jude Bellingham. And then uh, Guer- Guerrero, Rafa Guerrero, who's more of a left back, but he played
0: and to left as well.
2: And he plays more centrally, uh, mm-hmm. or he played centrally in that game, the last game against mines. I think West McKinney would thrive with that Dortmund side, given the way he plays. He's, he's an eight box to box. And th- that could be a great spot for him.
0: Okay. Heath, thoughts on West McKinney and I I don't know exactly what the best team situation would be for him, but obviously a team that would play him regularly, but which team out there is going
3: to do that? Well, one, I think it's a, it's a validator to the quality that he actually has. Right. Is that when we looked at that jump from Schalke to Juventus, it seemed like a leap, right? And people were like, Oh, this guy's not going to play here. It's a squad player. It's good. It's it's a good opportunity to prove himself. And then he sort of over indexed that first season, you know, Mm -hmm. started in like 70% of the games and those types of things that, you know, after leaving there, going to Leeds, not being the right situation to to have your next club potentially be a Dortmund level, I think is a, is a, is a great validator to again the quality of player that we're we're producing right now in the U.S. Uh, that you know the default used to be these like high leaps and then like sharp falls um, that we're seeing squad players consistently competing at big clubs. But I agree with Chuck. I think I think Weston has enough tools to be able to play in in a lot of systems. Um, it's just a, a a matter of him one being fit and healthy to be able to play in those systems and play at the speed that's expected of him. But I, I would love to see him out of Dortmund. And again, with a, with the Premier League shout, when you're talking about um, Brighton, that, that's be an incredible opportunity in the way that they play uh, and, and the speed of which they play, the possession style that they they play, but. You're also looking at eight other clubs that could afford, that could afford him, and and probably not the right fit, right? In terms, you go into another potentially into another. It's probably like six clubs every year that could be a Leeds um, situation where you know they could afford your wages. It's a whatever, but it can be a really difficult to actually see a player get better in you know half the table in in England, you know.
0: I would love to see him go to Brighton. I think DeTherby is a is a very good manager and <clears throat> I think he would learn a lot from him. All right, let's talk about uh, Christian Pulisic then. Let's move over to him. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Chelsea have rebuffed the latest offer from Milan about uh, having him come over. It looks like they're close. Apparently, there's great relations between the two clubs. Christian has already agreed to personal terms with Milan. Apparently, it's going to be a four-year deal, $4 year deal 4000000 uh a year base. I guess there's bonuses, of course, where he can match. And he's going to be set to reunite with some former Chelsea teammates. You got Tamori, you got Giroud, and you got uh, Ruben Loftus' butt cheek. And uh, Mm. that's just an inside joke for, and I said it a while back. But uh, (laughs) it's interesting is that I think it would be a nice place for him to rejuvenate his career. And I think that his his support team or whatever, his posse is pushing for that as well. It looks like they turned down Lyon. Now, I read this article and it said that the Italian top flight, this is regarding Christian. The Italian top flight is less demanding than the Premier League. And Pulisic should have a far easier time getting regular minutes for, for Milan than he has at Chelsea. It would certainly make no sense for Mauricio Pochettino to try and keep a hold of him. Uh, I, that this, just, like, blew me it's away. Called, it's that. called
2: delusional.
0: Or it's just like, I don't watch Syria. Tell me when you, like, you don't watch Syria. In Syria, <laughs> how, how about just Euro- European competitions? I, know. I get it.
2: I get it.
3: I'm allergic yeah. to BS, guys. <laughs> just sneeze that one out.
2: You, you so had I was like inter, what article
3: am I reading right now?
2: You had Inter and Milan in the semifinals of Champions League.
3: I get it. Mm-hmm.
0: You
2: had Roma in Europa League final and Fiorentina. Fiorentina and yeah,
3: like yeah. What? And by the way, with those two teams in the Champions League, a third team won the league that season. You know, and in, in, in Napoli, who had been knocking on the door for a, a long time. Like there is just it is a complete and you know That's like i man. could see it like 5 years ago when you still wanted to play the stereotypes of Syria, but like it is it is different now there is four teams that expect to win and there's even like you have the romas of the world that are europe or bust type of teams like there's a not necessarily a tight 6 but there's a tight 3 4 um that that make it a really difficult league uh where every match matters now because it has you know championship implications as opposed to 9 years straight from uh, juventus
0: yeah, shout out to James Westwood from Goal.com for, I bit on that. That is a hardcore troll, and I'm way, I mean, I got triggered by, I was like, is this, did he really write that? Less demanding league? What the hell is he even talking about? Anyway, let's uh, take a look at what a potential starting 11 could be for Milan if Christian Pulisic
3: was in it. By the way, it was like when G- Gareth Bale had said, like, there's less pressure in the U.S. when you don't, when, you know, when you don't win, it's not that big of a deal. Well, he just sat on the bench for six months until he got to the final. Or it's like, yeah, it's it, comparing LAFC to Real Madrid. It's just like, it's not even like a real thing that you can do, but it's an easy yeah. win to just be like, sure. Yeah,
0: yaw. exactly right. Exactly right. Well, we actually stole this graphic for those that can't see it from morning footy. So shout out to Chuck and everybody over there for uh, doing this work for us. Uh, we have Giroud up top. You got Rafael Leao, who is excellent. And I love watching him play on the left side, left wing, right side would be Christian. We got Yunus Musa, because why not at the attacking right. mid spot? It,
2: Loftus-Cheek and Musa would switch.
0: Yeah, I think that's the way to go. Loftus-Cheek's got to be a little bit higher. But Musa would be uh, more of an eight or a double six. You got Krunich next to him with Tenali gone. That opens up that spot for him. You got Teo Hernandez left back, Tamori, and Tia at the center back positions and Calabria at right back, and then Mike uh, Mignon.
2: Ben injured, Oki, 54-34. He did his knee, so he's not back until November.
0: Chuck Wagon won commenter zero on that, but uh, a pretty solid team. What's interesting is from what I, from what I hear is if they can't sign Pulisic, they're already ready to make moves for Samuel Chikwesi from Villarreal, who has a similar profile to what Christian can do. And, and obviously beating people off the dribble, getting to the end line, getting crosses off, getting shots off. Um, and so that makes me a little bit nervous for Christian that they have a really viable second option. If, if it doesn't work out. That's great.
3: Him. I'm not trying to give any free passes. Polis has got to. Palace got to stay fit, stay healthy, and compete. We've seen how right. good he can be when he's in form, but like he's past the era of being young enough to get uh, a free pass. Now he's got to go and earn it. And you know how it is when you go through multiple coaches and you don't get the time. Eventually, like that finger pointing, you got to look at yourself it's
0: in nice. those environments. At the
2: coach, yeah.
3: Yeah, are, wait, are we talking Serginho
0: Dest or Christian? Who are we talking about?
3: I'm
2: talking. I'm that oh,
3: no. <laughs> sorry, that's terrible. Oh, Serginho Dest. Serginho Dest just <laughs> had one professional year of soccer at Ajax that was unbelievable, and then started him on this trajectory that, like, we knew that he wasn't quite there yet. But you know, valuable experience. We we'll see, we we'll see where he ends up.
0: All right, some other transfer news. Brendan Aronson looks like he's heading to Union Berlin, according to reports. He's going to be joining on. Loan from Leeds, uh, presumably with an option to buy. So we'll see how that works out for him. I think the Bundesliga would be a great league for him. Uh it's less demanding there. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's less demanding in the Bundesliga. Uh Ethan Horvath Dude. apparently won't return to Luton Town. That's shocking, um, by the yeah, way. Yeah, he they the club did not exercise its option to buy on its loan from Nottingham Forest. I wonder so what that report. number was. He's gonna report back to preseason with Forest, but we'll see if he gets loaned out once again now because that means he's been passed over twice on teams heading to the Premier League, but he, uh, I don't know, maybe he's just, he's the goalkeeper you want if you want to get promoted to the Premier League, but we don't actually trust him enough to to lead us to glory once we're there. Uh, Seeing that Reggie Cannon might be going to La Liga is is, uh, some of the word. Uh, There's some issues with Boa Vista. Yeah, they own money. They own money, and he's trying to get, going to court, and maybe he'll be a free agent and can go, so we'll see if he's free, if that gets him to go. He needs to figure out his situation. And so uh, those are the other ones that that kind of jumped out in terms of uh, in news. I don't know if you guys got anything else, or if you want to speak about those players. The Horvath one is is I'm uh, disappointed for him. Obviously, he did a great job to get Luton Town promoted. So to not be able to follow through on that journey to the Premier League is is
3: kind of sad. I don't know who wants to jump in. <laughs> I'm talking about the silent treatment. Uh, no, I. I um, I agree, but I think I think he's shown enough that that whether he's a uh, starting uh, Premier League keeper, I'm not really sure. But he's obviously good at uh, what was 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 really good at, at helping his team last year. I think he'll get another loan 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 job or hopefully uh, a permanent move somewhere for him. But you know, I, I what about this? Um, anybody seeing this uh, Manchester United for the? Uh, I can't remember what his name is, the goalkeeper that has that could play for the U.S., play for Japan's uh, U-20 and youth national teams. I don't know if you guys saw it, that, that one come up recently today. Um, I'll just tell you his name. Check's about to spit some bars. Go ahead, Chuck.
2: Yeah, no, I would just say that we we really need to see Dest get this next move right. He, he needs to be playing. And in a competitive situation... I could see him going to La Liga um, sorry to Bundesliga I could see him going in that direction to a, a team that's competing in Europe it could be a great fit for him given he's he's on a team that is he's gonna be protected and he can go up and down the right flank maybe a three five two any any team that's playing a wing back it might be best for, for him. Best case scenario, mm-hmm. given the defensive responsibilities for that wing back. But uh, he, we saw in Nations League. He is such a talented player and I want to see him continue to progress. And, and he's, he's got to find the right club to maximize. His why touch. are
3: you holding the microphone? Like you're talking to somebody in the front row of your concert, right? Now? <laughs> you know, He's spitting bars hey, right
0: now. Hey, Garth,
2: Garth Gasper, shout out. <laughs> uh, shout out. Shout out to up. Garth Gasper. Be up,
3: be up. Uh it's um <laughs> by the way, Jimmy. I know we uh, this is a little off. This is a little bit of a of a, a curveball, but you know how Chuck's been plugging uh uh League On for quite a while now about the difficulties, but you know, they did fall out of being a top five league according to UEFA now. And just want to get his take on I saw that Belgium got to number five. Yeah. Mind,
2: mind you, but wow, seven. That, that for 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 the, the per for the people who put out that that was for just the 24 uh the last season. That's that's just one season that Holland the never the Dutch ever Divisi wow, well he's tripping up, up on his words. Oh
3: yeah now, <laughs> it's, now it's all of a
2: sudden- you, you guys you guys are forgetting it's just one season because you had some some teams go a little bit further in, let's say the European conf- the Europa Conference League. We'll see next year what happens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Chuck, Chuck, Chuck wants to work for Liga at some point. Oh, yeah. Nice. Let's oh, awesome. but when hey, well, when a just player just has a bad year, Chuck writes better. them off. You know. Yeah. We, yeah. We, you yeah, know. I
2: yeah. think the yeah. Dutch league is honestly better than the French league. Let's be real.
3: <laughs> <So> <laughs> like you things,
2: hey, Anybody anybody who thinks that d- does not know football, I'll tell you that from top to bottom. If you're saying the bottom, the Dutch teams in the bottom of the league are have no bit, would not even come close to surviving in league. Yeah. Ah,
0: Chuck doesn't like drawn again. Then apparently,
2: <laughs> <laughs> did you see them play?
0: I did. It was hard. I couldn't watch it after a while. That's why I just had to get my highlights.
2: People can can obviously it's because PSG come in and, they gotario and they buy who they want they do what they want
0: chucks biased, and, and they win the league,
2: league they win they're supposed to win the league easy so now people say oh the league is crap cuz psg wins every year that's not the that's not the case there's just so much talent in the french league and teams are, it's very difficult league to play yeah
0: chuck's getting heated
2: now if you play for <laughs> ajax or psv <laughs> you know fyord you, you azet alkmar those teams are are incredible they are good but the bottom half of the Dutch Air Divisie is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't I don't want to hear the oh the Dutch league is better than the French league now. It, it, we all know it goes in waves. It, t- teams are sometimes stronger than others. They they when when Ajax won Champions League, where, where everyone's saying the Dutch league is better than Syria or La Liga or the English Premier League. Let's be for real. That year, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. All right. Let's get, ba-
0: <laughs> Let's get back on track. We got uh, a little uh, little conversation here to have about MLS. I want to give a shout out to El Trafico, which smashed MLS attendance records at the Rose Bowl this uh, July 4th. 82,000 people came out. And it was a cracking game. Some great goals. Tyler Boyd scored a, a screamer and uh, had a great assist to Ricky Pooch for the winner in that one. LAFC, though. Only two wins in their last eight games. They have some of that uh, CONCACAF Champions League come down, the, the hangover, as it were. It happened to Seattle Sounders one year. We saw it happen to Toronto and Kansas City. When anybody that tries to make a strong run in the CONCACAF Champions League seems to struggle. Philadelphia last year, I think, a little bit too. And, and LAFC seems to be going through it. So I'm very curious to see how Steve Trunlow is going to manage a, a pretty significant low, I'd say, in his young managerial career. Don't know if you guys want to talk about that. I also want to get into Inter Miami because they're looking to sign Jordi Alba to go along with Sergio Busquets. The Adidas store in New York City is now selling Messi jerseys. Inter Miami Messi jerseys, even though his official announcement hasn't been made yet. So I think that's a good sign. And Jorge Mas, the co-owner, said that he's going to get like fifty to sixty million a year. So you got to love that. What's interesting though is that Rodolfo Pizarro, one of the DPs for Inter Miami, came out and and said that or I guess Tata Martino, who's been named as the manager, has come out and said that they'd like to keep Pizarro for footballing reasons, but because of the administrative stuff, they might have to let him go. And Pizarro's like, what league in the world does this? I'm paraphrasing here, but I don't understand why they even have these rules, which is a nice shot at MLS's uh, salary structure and and roster rules. Mm. And here we are. So so I just want to give a shout out to the Galaxy and, and LAFC for putting on another great El Trafico. That Derby never fails to disappoint, and to do it in front of that many fans who were up for it that night it was very special, and I grew up outside of the Rose Bowl, so anytime there's a big game near where I grew up, uh, it always pumps me up. And then Inter-Miami. Well, crazy.
3: That was postponed. That game was postponed.
0: That's right. That was That's the right. season opener,
3: uh, That's right. and it ended up being, like obviously, a big, big, huge hit, which is awesome. Which is cool. So, I don't know. Inter-Miami. What's interesting is
0: I think they have to figure out a way to be flexible with these rules and to navigate how to do it. Now, I know that Inter-Miami got in trouble Not too long ago and got, you know, fined and suspended or whatever the repercussions were because of their cheating, ultimately. And now I feel like the league's got to help them cheat because they're terrible. And uh, it would just be it wouldn't be a good look for Messi to come to Inter-Miami, bring some of his friends, have Tata Martino in and then for them to struggle. Like they need them to make the playoffs and you feel like they're going to get a little help along the way to make that happen. Chuck, do you agree or disagree?
2: I'm still fuming with this, the Dutch league. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: my God. oh my, we've no, lost Chuck for the show.
2: No, I, I'm, I'm completely gone. The The bottom half <laughs> of the Dutch league is <laughs> oh so bad.
0: Just it
3: disregarded
0: is it so I it.
2: bad. I, and, and to say that that league is better than the league is crazy to me. Crazy. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think just give me your thoughts on Inter Miami. Yeah, this this, this is what I'm going to say. I mean, in terms of Pizarro coming out and saying, oh, in Europe, if you're, if you're going to sling him to the galaxy anyway, you would just be on the reserves. Right. They they try and freeze you out and force you to say, you know what? I'll take 50% of my salary to go for free or 75%, whatever you negotiate. But that's how it would work instead of saying, MLS can say, here's your full salary, you're gone. And you're a free agent. You can do whatever you want. So it, it's a, it's it's more of a win in MLS, and he's complaining. You you know how it works the rest of the world? It's far worse to be sent to playing with... Look at Bayor when he was making a ton of money at Manchester City. And they're like, go play with the reserves. You well, don't even you don't to step in the locker room. Right? I, I mean, that happens all over the world. You don't get to step foot in the locker room with the first team. You're only with the reserves. You train with the reserves. You play with the reserves. They try and Make it absolutely miserable for you, so you you're you just leave. But some some guys can say, I can take this, no problem, I, I, no stress, and that infuriates the ownership that much more. And in some cases, we we see players play themselves back into the first team.
3: Right. I, I I do want to I do want to say that when we're talking about somebody like Rodolfo Pizarro, is that he's got like ten MLS goals. Let's be honest, Tata Martino is not trying to keep pizarro into his (laughs) squad for footballing reasons he's He's saying that because he's a a big name yeah yeah and he wants to move him on and he he, out of respect for for what uh pizarro had once done previous to coming in major league soccer um but he's moving him on this is just the nice way of of moving somebody on to be like you know in in europe it would have been even worse right chuck exactly what you said which would have been like we're just gonna put you we're gonna bury you away in the reserves until you you make, make your, your life move. miserable yeah. as hell. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. And yeah. That, and that's when guys go the do the I, I pulled my hamstring and mm-hmm. they just they just get have to go to treatment all the time. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm now triggered by uh the think do <laughs> you think that Gronigan is better or not not as good as Toa? Mm-hmm. Whatever. I'm getting into the week. All right. Auger. All right, listen, 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 listen. We're going to end the show here. And we're going to remind everybody that the US takes on Canada this Sunday. We're going to have a obviously a, a live reaction to how we perform. We all believe it's going to be 2-0. Yeah, let and
3: me we'll know who we'll you want to host there. that one guys, just so uh you know, just just whatever you guys want, you know, whatever whatever the the, the trust funders want, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, you just want Heath to do it solo. Or if you want me and Charlie to be a part of it too, I was out of breath for like a week. Comment. I was out
3: of breath for like a week after going <laughs> solo a couple times.
0: Unbelievable! All right, everybody, that's it. So, on behalf of producer Des, producer Alex, Charlie, Heath, and myself, Conrad, Cream Cheese, Conrad, we thank you for listening. All of your support, and we'll see you on Sunday night after the U.S. Canada game. And you guys have a good couple of days. Later.